Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, well, since we launched our mission statement back in March, we've been going and taking two weeks uh, through each of the values. Today, we're going to look at Empower, but before we do that, I'd like the uh, mission statement to go up, go ahead up on the board. I just want to read this together. Even if you're visiting with us, you can join in with, with the mission of Central Assembly of God. Let's read it together. Our mission is to produce a unified family of believers being transformed by Jesus and empowered to live supernaturally while advancing the kingdom of God everywhere we go. All right. I like it more and more every time I read it. It's good. So we're going to go over, we're going to start with Empower uh, this week and then go into next week too. We've had the pamphlet in your bulletins in past weeks. It's not there this week, but here's an explanation of what we mean by empower or to be empowered to live supernaturally. And it says this, each person is designed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and have an eternal impact on those around them. I mean, just even just stop right there. Every single believer, every person has been designed in your mother's womb to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to actually make an eternal impact on people around you. We experience this empowerment by equipping the saints for ministry through biblical teaching, leadership training, and hands-on application, which a lot of this will be produced in the future. In fact, Our ministry team, our pastors have begun a process of looking at every ministry uh, that's here, events that are here, and we're planning for the future uh, to see how the Lord wants to best equip us and empower us. Since the result is a supernatural lifestyle, evidenced in salvations, healings like we just heard about with the Samago family, deliverance, love, compassion, and generosity. I've used the phrase before and I'll continue to use it. It's the phrase naturally supernatural. We see Jesus operating in both of those, caring for the poor, blessing the children, interacting with people through conversation, and also radical, radical healings and deliverances. So we want to see both the natural and the supernatural happen through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I do actually believe that every single believer should be able, every follower of Jesus should be able to believe in the depths of their heart that they were created to change the world. Unfortunately, I don't know that every believer can say that. But I do think any single person that follows Jesus should be able to say, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and I actually have a bigger purpose than myself. I have something to do. I have a work from God, an assignment from God, a calling from God, a purpose from God that is way beyond what I could ever do in my own flesh. And it might not be standing up behind the pulpit. It might not ever be called ministry in the sense of in church, but God has placed a destiny and purpose on you. But unfortunately, so many people spend their life coming to church, right? They spend an hour, 90 minutes in this building. They'll listen to a message and sing some songs and go back out and never do anything significant for God because they've never been empowered by God. They've never actually received that encouragement that you can change the world. And we have three people that agree with me so far. (laughs) See, this... Sometimes you think, well, it's about me, so I can never do it. No, it's not about you. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when we realize I've died to myself, and now Christ is in me, now he's giving hope to the rest of the world, hope that his glory is coming, now we can realize I can change the world through being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So to fight against the, 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 the repetition of life and to fight against the, I went 
I went to high school and then I went to college. I got four years. Now I'm in a career. Now I have to stay in that career for 30 some, 40 some years to make enough money so that when I retire, I'll have enough money uh, to live. And we, we just follow this like American dream. And oftentimes God's not actually in that. What if he's not calling some of you to a four-year college? What if he's calling you straight to the mission field? What if he's calling some of you out of your career and into something else? Or what if he's saying, listen, change the world around you right where you are planted? I don't know what that is. That's between you and the Lord. But about 10 years ago, I started asking this question uh, to people when I would meet with them one-on-one. I would say this. If time, money, and resources were not an issue, what would you do with the rest of your life to make a difference for God? In fact, that was some of my first interaction with Chris and Ashley Duff. They came through, I think it was called the Connection Series at that time. I was meeting with Ashley. I asked her that question. She said, I would serve uh, people who were in need, the homeless, people who didn't have. I would serve them and, and have them as honored guests through a meal. I think, what was it, six, seven years, maybe even eight years after, I forget how long our hope dinners, I came in and we served people and we bust people in, people from all over the area that were in need, high need, uh, that were homeless. People came and we served them as honored guests. But it was by asking this question. So some, I asked this question on Facebook the other day. And these are some of the answers from your church family that I got. Because the fact of the matter is this, time, money, and resources aren't an issue to God, so they shouldn't be an issue to us. We let our time, our money, and our resources limit us so we get stuck somewhere saying, well, this is just my lot in life. This is just where I'm gonna go. No, let's not do that anymore. Let's understand the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do something significant with your life. And again, that doesn't mean that you have to change your career, but it might mean that you change everything that you do. So here goes some people. I won't read names because I didn't get specific permission, but I did post on here that I would share some. One person says, I would travel the world helping people to start uh, and grow their small businesses, combining the two things I love, Jesus and entrepreneurship. Someone else says, I would preach the gospel in a small country church and have a choir. Someone else says, I would mentor youth and work with and counsel broken families toward restoration. I got so encouraged reading these things. These are dreams that are inside of the people of this church. Someone else said, there's no doubt in my mind I would capture the Lord's beauty and all his people through photography for the rest of my life. Someone else says, I would buy a large farmland area and build tiny houses and give them away to the homeless veterans first so that they have a place they can call their own. Uh, Picture this, if we really think time, money, and resources aren't an issue, he can do the things that he placed in your heart. There's no way you would come come up with this on your own. These are dreams and passions the Lord has put in your heart. And I think it's time to go ahead and start taking some of these risks. Someone else said, I would go around in the neighborhood sharing the love of God. That's my plan. See, so it doesn't mean always moving to another country. It doesn't mean leaving everything. Maybe it can just be this. And that's significant enough for you. Someone else said, I would set up a faith-based recovery program for people who struggle with addiction to drugs and alcohol. And I'll tell you, this girl has a full plan. You can see it on my Facebook page. Anywhere from 90 days to three-fourths house to producing uh, self-sustaining lifestyle and people so more people can get involved. This is from the Lord. Someone else says, I would love to tell people's stories and testimonies. Get them to know and under, or get to know and understand where they've been and how far they've come by God's grace and mercy. We should get this person on our testimony team. They are on our testimony team, actually. Someone said, I would love to give the homeless a place to stay and give the children a place they can call home. Someone else said, I would love to share about God's faithfulness in every situation, how to be filled with joy in the middle of difficult times to women 
all across the USA. Someone else said, I would find people who were feeling hopeless and lost. I'd concentrate on each individual on a personal level and bless them the best I know how. And someone else said, I would want to pay it forward everywhere I go. Wow, that would be so much fun. Wouldn't it be fun to actually follow what the Lord wanted to do in our life? To not get stuck in the routines of life and not get stuck in what somebody else's expectations are, you, are for you in life. I used to read articles and I used to look at Christian magazines and you'd see people, they left everything. I mean, one of our, one of our missionaries that, that we celebrate here, which I won't mention their name for privacy, this individual left a very well-paying job, very large house, sold it all to go to missions. We've heard of other stories of people who have, who have left everything, you know, high executive positions to go and run a homeless shelter. And we think that they're like famous. We think that God's blessed them more than he's blessed us. And I don't think he has. I think they actually felt empowered to do something significant with what God's given them. And they were simply willing to say yes. They were willing to say yes can take a risk. I know in my own life, uh, we had Joel Van Briggle answer the question, exactly what I'm doing. If time, money, and resources weren't an issue, what would you do with the rest of your life? He said, exactly what I'm doing. I could say that's the same thing for me as well. But it's just, it's just that willingness to say yes. I've died to myself enough that Christ is living in me. And I'm not gonna let anybody judge me, criticize me, look down on me, or th- say, it can't happen. It's too expensive. It's too out of this area, too out of this world. No, 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 no. Listen, At the end of your life, you're not gonna stand before your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, none of the people that are looking at you right now. You'll stand face to face before God and you want him to say, well done. The assignment I've given you in life, you've done with completion. So I want us as a church family to receive that empowerment from the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? He's calling me to stay right at my job or right in my neighborhood, or do whatever I'm doing right now, and just continue to advance the gospel. And at the same time, I want us to say, Lord, if you'd want me to leave everything and move halfway across the world, I'll do it. The important thing is this, is that we say yes before he tells us what to do. Because if he tells us what to do, what are you going to do? You'll open up your bank account online, you'll look at your calendar, you'll look at your responsibilities, and you'll realize you don't have the time, the money, or the resources. But if you say, God, I say yes. I say yes now. And now I'm asking for you to empower me so when you call me to do something, I'll already be on my way. And time, money, and resources won't be an issue. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this, we are God's masterpiece. Say, I am God's masterpiece. Now think about that for a minute and we're gonna say it again because you're not just gonna repeat it. Maybe you'll believe it this time. Say, I am God's masterpiece. I can almost feel, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, when, you, when people say things like that, you can almost feel the enemy sending lies, right? Yeah, but look at this and look at that. And you've been trying to, yeah, like with, with Heather, you've been trying to lose weight and you've been trying to do this and, and you're here and you haven't done this. No, 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 no. Listen, this is not dependent on what you're doing in life right now. He says this is true about you. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's, Paul's not just talking to the people in Ephesus. This is timeless. We are God's masterpiece. Like it or not, you are God's masterpiece. It says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
Listen, I used to get confused at this because I used to like wonder, what are my, what, what, what are my desires and what are my passions and what are God's? Listen, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you actually get the Holy Spirit inside of you as a deposit. So if you're following Jesus and you're spending time with Jesus, those passions and those desires that are rising up in you are from him. So the things he's planned for you to do from long ago, those are the dreams and passions that are in your life. So if you could, without being embarrassed or without having anybody else look at you or, or judge you, if you could answer that question of time, money, and resources weren't an issue, what would you do with the rest of your life? If you're following Jesus right now, you could probably believe that's from him. That's part of the work that he has planned long ago for us to do. So we want to do this. As Central Assembly of God, we want to be a church that encourages you and empowers you to take that risk with God. We want to come alongside of you and partner with you so at the end of your life, you could stand before him, like I said before, and say, God, I've done everything that you've called me to do. I've accomplished the purpose in my life. And I believe that there is a specific ministry approach that, that creates a culture of empowerment. I believe it starts in Mark chapter three, if you want to turn there with me. It's the second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. It's chapter three. Now, the same, uh, the same story is told in Luke chapter six, and it says something in Luke chapter six, I'll just mention to you, but then we'll read out of, out of Mark three. In Luke six, it says that Jesus went up onto the mountainside and he prayed to God all night long. Then he gathered his disciples and then he appointed the 12 apostles. It doesn't say that in Mark three, but just think in context, Jesus goes up to a mountain, he spends all night praying, then he gathers those who are following and then he appoints some to be apostles. It says in Mark chapter three, starting at verse 13, Jesus went up onto a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Now, if you look at just, just these verses of how Jesus started to produce an empowering culture, the first thing is this, Jesus did not choose haphazardly how he was going to empower these few. He spent a significant time in prayer, a significant amount of time in prayer, figuring out and hearing from the Lord, who should he pick? Who should he bring alongside of him? And how this was going to happen. We wanna do the same thing. Like I said, our pastors have started it. We take it to the elders, receive their blessing and their insight. And what we want to do is spend enough time in prayer, hearing the voice of the Lord, that he gives us a strategy for this local church family of how we can empower you to do the work of the ministry. Something else happened here. It says that Jesus called people to his side. His side. So he didn't just pass out a random sign-up sheet and leave it up to fate, right? He asked the Father, who's ready? Who's willing? Who's hungry? Who's passionate enough now to come forward? And the Father said, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. So when he came, he gathered his disciples around him, right? How many of you know there were more disciples than just the 12? So there was a whole group of people there. God spoke to him about a few of them, and then he called them forth. Now, it doesn't mean that God loved them any more or less than the other disciples. He was just saying, this is a season for these 12. These are the ones who are ready and who are hungry. So I look at that even as like a Sunday morning. There's a large group of people here that meet. Not every one of you is going to come to our, all of our trainings 
our conferences, seminars, and discipleship, that's okay. What we wanna do is pray to the Father, gather the people who, who out of you are willing to come, who are willing to press in for more, who are willing to receive that empowerment, knowing that as you do that, you will then go and be contagious to everybody around you. So our heart and our desire is that every single person eventually in this church family can say, I am fulfilling the mission that God has for my life. But it might start with just a few. A third aspect of this, these verses here, is that the ones that Jesus called out actually responded. And this is where I think churches get it wrong, is churches will try to control people, and churches will try to put guilt trips on people, and churches will say, well, if you don't come to this, then you're not committed, and if you're not doing what we say to do. Listen, what we want to do is design ministry here that is going to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. It's going to empower you to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. It's up to you to respond. We're not gonna stand up here and force and control and manipulate. We're gonna offer ministries that we feel like are best suited for this church family for this season of life and then you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. You with me? I love this fourth principle here. In verse 14, Jesus's purpose was quite clear. Jesus wanted to spend time with them, like a lot of time with them, like almost every day for three and a half years. For what purpose? What's it say? To have another covered dish dinner? To go to Kennywood on National Kennywood Day? No, maybe they would have if it was around. He was a fun guy. Remember, Jesus had joy. He was smiling. Get the right picture of Jesus in your mind. His purpose was to gather people around him that were ready to grow and spend tons of time together until Jesus got in them so much that they could reproduce themselves in others. And their purpose was spend time so I can send out. Spend time so I can send out. Spend time so I can send out. So I I love our small groups that we have going on right now, our classes and so on. But there is a future coming where we're going to have to call people to a greater commitment to spend enough quality time with one another that as we spend time with Jesus and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit that we know we can reproduce what we've received to other people. If we're not actually reproducing this in other people's lives from a place of overflow, then we're not discipling the nations as Jesus called us to do in Matthew 28. And we want to do that. We actually feel like our mission will be accomplished if we do that. So if you think about this, all of these things that Jesus was doing, and even our mission statement that we have, it's not meant to create some system where the church members come and serve the leadership so we have our mission accomplished. That's not the way the church works. I know some secular businesses that work like this. If, if, the, if the owner, the boss isn't a Christian, what happens is the employees gather around the boss to serve the boss, the, the customers are not actually, you know, from the boss's perspective, they're not trying to benefit the customers. The customers are there to create bigger uh, profit for the boss. So at the end of the day, yes, the customers get the product. Yes, the employees get the paycheck, but the boss sits there and says, is my mission being accomplished? Are these people serving me for my product? That's not the way the kingdom works, folks. You're not here to serve us. We're not approaching this like as an organizational structure to get our mission done. What we're here to do is to serve you. We're here to equip you. We're here to empower you. We're here to come alongside of you so that you can see that mission accomplished in your life. Does this make sense? 
You guys are quiet, so either I'm plowing new ground or you're confused or you're just doing okay. You okay? I've seen it done differently before where it's like the church has their plans and whether the people like it or not, you're here to serve us and you're coming to us and it becomes controlling. It becomes manipulative. No, listen, the pastors on staff, the elders, the Sunday school teachers, the nursery workers, the youth leadership team, junior high, senior high, we're giving our lives to serve you. We're giving our time, our resources, our our energy, our giftings to come alongside you so that you can feel accepted into a family, so that you can be transformed by Jesus, so that you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, so you can advance the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And as a church family, now we're advancing it everywhere we go. So if this makes sense, yes, we have vision as a leadership team. We have things like Washington Estates, El Salvador. We'll have things as a church family that we are, that we are pursuing together from the, you know, the church at large. But the majority of our time is going to be spent discipling individuals just like you to empower you to do what God's created you to do. It'd be wonderful to know 20, 30, 40 years from now that everybody that's in these seats today, if you're a, a, a regular attender at Central, that you could answer the question, you know what? I figured out time, money, and resources aren't an issue. So now I'm doing what God's created me to do for the rest of my life. How amazing would that be? How different even would our church services look like? If our church family was saying, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, I had to leave my job. I had to leave the comforts of my home or I had to stay in this job that I wish God would call me out. Whatever it looks like. But I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it. My eye just caught a young mother. I wanna share with you mothers too. There, this is not, your life's not being put on hold when you have young kids at home, right? You're not saying, well, I can't do real ministry. I can't be in ministry now. No, your ministry is raising those kids. You're doing what God's calling you to do during that season. So if you're frustrated uh, during this season of life, just know you're doing it. Time, money, and resources probably aren't always available for you. Just continue to press through. And as those children get older and they get more mature, they'll eventually uh, you know, go off and begin to, to reproduce in their own ways what you've already implanted in them. So be encouraged that that is absolute real ministry. So even as a church, we do want to empower you. We want to be able to produce training. We did kingdom ministry about a year and a half ago. We want to look at classes, conferences. We believe we'll have a ministry school one day that will actually train pastors uh, to produce ministry everywhere else uh, beyond Central. We want to look at discipleship really closely and see how can you gather around one another to pour out to each other until you can reproduce in other people. When we want relationships to be real here, I believe that that's the only way that we'll be able to empower each other is if we trust each other. We've said it before, we believe that we're ascending church. I absolutely believe that we will plant churches out of this church. What that means is start new churches out of Central Assembly of God. I believe we'll be used to train and revitalize other churches, not because we do it the best, but because we do it how God's calling us to do it. And because we're being wise stewards with that, he'll allow us to help other churches that need help. I believe we'll have a missions, a missions training center to send out our own homegrown missionaries someday. There's a prophetic word over my life and over this church about a kingdom enterprise. What I feel like is going to happen, it's interesting some of your Facebook comments, but I feel like we're going to have a combination of housing, intense discipleship businesses, and practical life training that actually produce real transformation in people's lives. I don't believe it's going to look like normal church. I don't believe it's going to look like a traditional church. I believe that the Lord has something special for this church. But most importantly is this, is we want to simply be a church that we come alongside of you and empower you 
so that you know you're living out your calling in your own personal life. I believe that this can be created through what Paul puts forth in Ephesians chapter four. You can turn there. I'll read out of the New Living Translation. Maybe you have your own translation that you'd like to read out of. But a lot of people uh, call this of the fivefold ministry. Now I'm gonna teach about the fivefold ministry here in, in the next several minutes, but I don't want you to think of special people standing on this platform. I want you to think of people that, that aren't worried about titles and names and positions, but just a calling that's on their life because they're already sitting out here in these pews. These verses are represented in our pews already. And then we will bring people in that will help with this also. So it says here, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be, say that word, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now look at this. We see five different ministry gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are different than spiritual gifts that which you all have several spiritual gifts inside of you. These are representing people, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Again, we think that these are like five special people that come to the church. You know, we bring guests in and, and we do that and we'll acknowledge that and honor that. But there are people in this sanctuary already that are gifted and called to these areas. We're not gonna worry about titles. We're not gonna worry about positions. We're gonna say, what can you bring to this church family to empower other people to live out their calling? Now watch what happens here though. It says that this is going to continue until what happens? There's unity in the faith and there's maturity in the Lord. In fact, the measurement is actually the full and complete standard of Christ. How many of you know we're not there yet? So this must continue. Empowerment and equipping must continue until we see maturity in the body of Christ. Take a look at what maturity looks like. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we're going to be able to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. I love that. I, when I was reading that, I'm like, wow, are the words that come out of my mouth the same words that would come out of Jesus if he was in this conversation? That's not to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, hey, let's get empowered. Let's get empowered until we're actually, are, we're speaking the truth in love and we're growing more and more, just like Jesus would speak to people. You know, he never demeaned people. He rebuked people that needed it because their hearts were hard. But even when the apostles were fighting over who was gonna sit next to Jesus and who was gonna be the greatest, he, he didn't like bash them down. He continued to empower them and let them go free, let them learn from mistakes and taking risks for God. So he says here, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Now follow this out, right? There's an equipping being going on by this fivefold ministry, which represents people in this church and people that will bring in to help us. But then it says that what's happening here, we're helping the other parts of the body to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I believe that this will produce family, transformation, empowerment, 
and advancing the gospel right here. So I wanna illustrate how verse 11 works. If you can put back that verse 11, my illustration team, you can come up and get into place. See, like I mentioned before, sometimes what we do is this. We'll have an evangelist come in. We'll have a prophet come in. We'll have an apostle come in. We'll have a, a pastor, teacher, whatever it is. And we'll look at the ministry that they're doing on this platform and they'll say, they did a good job. They're anointed. They're called of God. And then when you go back to your business, your classroom, your medical profession, your community, if you're retired, whatever it is, what you do is you think this, I can't wait until the next time this person comes back so I can come and get touched by God and encounter God. Instead of you saying, Father, thank you for the impact that they've had on my life, I'm going to go now and take that and reproduce it in somebody else's life. That's what the five-fold ministry is supposed to produce. So we have the apostle here today, Jackson. Say hi to Jackson. You guys seem like, loosen up a little bit, everybody. <laughs> we have our, our prophetess here. Say hi to Debbie. We have Eddie, our evangelist here. Yeah, we have Nicole, our pastor. Say hi, Nicole. Yeah, keep on, keep on. You can step right up here. And we have our teacher, George, here. This is for illustration purposes only. And now we have Trish. Trish is a teacher, Beth Center, correct? High school, technology, business computer. So she interacts with high school students and she interacts with teachers every day of the life. How many of you know she needs empowered? She can't walk in here. She can't walk into the classroom tomorrow thinking, yeah, church service was okay yesterday. She has to walk into her school with the empowerment of the real Holy Spirit that's in her to actually make a difference. So she's, so Trish says, listen, Trish says, I'm done just going to special services. I want what they have until I can reproduce it in someone else's life. So maybe she comes and she receives uh, ministry from an apostle or from somebody that's just apostolic. Let's not get caught up in titles. Maybe it's somebody even out there. So the biblical word for apostle means sent one or one who is sent with the authority of another. Jesus gave us authority to be sent into the world. Apostles, they're gonna help you dream bigger because they are challenging status quo. They're urging people to go beyond their comfort zones. So apostles help us become sent ones. So we're going to put a cape on her so she has her supernatural flying ability to go. After receiving ministry from an apostolic person, you are not supposed to say, wow, can they dream big? Wow, can they take risks? What you're supposed to say is, thank you for putting that cape to go upon my shoulders. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to dream. I'm ready to think bigger than I've ever thought before. That's what should happen if we're an empowering culture. Next, we have the prophets or somebody who operates in the prophetic. Prophets help you to see what God is doing now and in the future. They also help you to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself and for other people. We should not gather around somebody who's prophetic to get a message from God all the time. We should allow that person to equip us to see what God's doing and to hear what God's doing so we can interact with God ourselves, right? And I'm not saying we're relying on a person. I'm just saying God uses people to help us in that. So she has not, this is not a mask. Those are superpower goggles. So she can see what the Lord is doing. Thank you very much. She didn't know what she was gonna have to do last night. <laughs> it's a setup. All right, moving on. So let's say now she is confident that she can go. She's confident that she can hear the voice of the Lord. Now we have evangelists. Evangelists impassion us to see the lost so we can reach the lost. Now, 
Evangelists might actually make you feel like a dirty sinner when you're in a service with them, right? Because they're preaching about, you know, the, the destruction of sin and they're preaching about holiness and you might feel like getting saved all over again. And that, that's fine, go ahead and get saved again. No. What an evangelist's role is actually supposed to do, not just gather to get people saved, but to send the church out to reach the lost. So now Trish isn't coming to a service just to have the light shined on her over and over again. She's coming to get equipped so she can go ahead and take, a, take this light and shine it in her own dark area. Because in 24 hours from now, she'll be around kids that desperately need Jesus. She'll be in classroom after classroom with kids that are addicted to stuff, that are harming themselves, and that are desperate for hope. So she needs to be impassioned to reach the own lost. She can't just say, come to my church the next time there's an evangelist here. That's not the way this works. People will get saved when an evangelist is here, but we're supposed to empower each other to go and get this job done in our own sphere of influence. If you've noticed so far, somebody's gonna make you dream bigger. A prophet might make you uncomfortable because he's speaking or she's speaking things that aren't yet uh, happening yet. An evangelist, he's gonna, he or she will bring that weightiness of sin and the importance uh, of knowing between heaven and hell. These three are gonna make you feel completely different and yet they're going in the same direction, right? Like if you would take nine different ingredients uh, to, to a meal and you just start eating those individual ingredients, how many of you know most of them would be nasty? by themselves. So you, if you just constantly hear from an evangelist or constantly hear from an apostolic person or whatever, you're only getting one lane of the five lanes God has. But when you mix all these together and you receive ministry from his word, ministry from each other, let people build you up, then you'll have the full recipe. You'll have that full meal put together. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4. Where we had the pastor. All right, so now she goes on and she starts interacting with someone who's pastoral. Now, pastoral people, pastors are there to help you become more caring and nurturing, shepherding other sheep who are around you. Now, pastors won't make you, maybe, may, might not make you dream a lot or may, might not make you uncomfortable, might, may, might not make you feel like a sinner in need of being saved, but a pastor's gonna make you feel like warm and fuzzy and welcomed, loved, protected, shepherded. It seems in stark contrast to the rest of them, but it's as biblical as the rest of them. So she has her water pitcher here to pour out to the needs around her, to fill people up, and even to wash feet if, she would be, if it would be necessary. This is what pastors do in our lives. And last, we have teachers. Teachers create within us a passion to see scriptures accurately, not just so we have more head knowledge, but so that we apply God's truth to our lives so that we believe in faith. This is real. I believe that it's true in my life and now I'm going to pour this out. So Trish, why don't you come up here? So now Trish just didn't go to special services. Trish just isn't going to church services. She's just not, she's just not doing church. She's not just living the average life, stuck in her career until she retires. Trish knows that she is sent she can see, she can hear, she can seek out and save the lost, she can care for people's needs, and she can search this word so she knows more and more what she's supposed to do. This is someone who is empowered. This is someone who's empowered to advance the gospel everywhere we go. Why don't we thank our team for coming up today? Great job. So to close our service today, what I want to do is put up a chart here, and I just want to compare something uh, with you. If you can't read these because they're a little bit smaller, I want to read them to you. 
What I'm doing is just comparing what a traditional church is compared to an empowering church. We need everything in a traditional church. I'm not comparing bad and good. Don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. What I'm comparing is where a lot of the church, at least in this country, has fallen short. Like, like we need all these things on the left, but we're not pressing through to the things on the right. So on the left here, we have traditional church west. How many are coming into the church, right? And we'll look at our statistics and we'll just see how many behinds did we sit in these pews for 90 minutes on a Sunday? And if that number is going up, that means we're doing better. I don't, I don't, we need people in the church to empower, but that can't be the end game. So an empowering church is how many are being sent out of the church, not like to never come back, but not just to gather here. So a win is not gonna be, or more people sitting here, but how can we partner with you to send you out? Traditional church, how many ministries are within the church? An empowering church is how many ministries are actually focused to people out in the community? How many of you know we need ministries in the church, right? To equip us, empower us, but we need to start developing, just like we're doing at Washington Estate, ministries outside the church. Traditional church, how many people are in groups? An empowering church is asking how many people are starting new groups. Not just the, for the purpose of new, but for the purpose of multiplication because Jesus called you to it. In a Pentecostal church, they would ask this, how is the prophetic being used during the service, right? Oh yeah, we had three prophetic words this day and another prophetic word this day. Listen, an empowering church is not about gathering two or three people so you all can sit and listen. An empowering church is saying, you hear the voice of the Lord for yourself and you go to your office and you go to your classroom and you go to your hospital and you speak forth the word of the Lord that somebody else needs that will never step foot into a church. So we would look, how can you speak on behalf of God for other people in your own life? Next one says, how have we done it in the past? Right? We're always looking at tradition and tradition is important and we're looking at the past. But a, an empowering church would say, what is God saying to do right now? Traditional church would ask, how do we, ha or do we have enough classes for everyone? Like, do we have enough offerings so everybody can come and gather? An empowering church would say, do we have the classes that are actually empowering people? Traditional church asks, how much money came in? Do we have enough to survive? An empowering church will say, how much money went out wisely? How are we stewarding it back into ministry? Traditional church will say, how many people got saved? How many of you know that's very important and needed for the church to grow? That's, these aren't bad things. But an empowering church isn't just asking how many people got saved, but how many people are leading others to Jesus from that church. Traditional churches are looking at transforming individual lives. An empowering church is reshaping culture. So look, we, we celebrate the Samego's story and what God's done in their life. But I guarantee you, when they start talking to their unsafe friends and coworkers, they start sharing what God's doing in their life. And eventually, as this reproduces in many people, culture begins to be reshaped, looking more like heaven on earth. The prayer that Jesus prayed. Why don't we stand? And Father, we just pray right now. God, we, we, we acknowledge that you are the only one. It's, it's not about these people that were represented on the stage. It's not, a, it's not about us doing the empowering. It's about us letting you do the empowering through us so other people get affected and transformed by you so that they can advance the kingdom so you get the glory. So Father, I pray that you would help the leadership of this church. I pray that you would empower us empower our nursery and preschool workers, our hospitality, youth workers, our joy steering team, Sunday school teachers, group leaders. I'm sure I'm missing a few, but people that are already equipping. 
Empower us and encourage us, Father, to continue to pour out everything that you've already given us. And Father, I pray for people who don't feel that they're significant, people who feel lost in their calling, people who feel like they just want to make it another day. I pray that you would broaden their vision. Father, that you would allow them to dream again, that they'd be able to lay down their checkbook and their calendar and their their list of resources and just say, God, I'm saying yes to you. Father, that you would allow us to pour your spirit out on us, that we'd be empowered to impact culture in our own world. Father, we ask God that you would bless Pastor Francisco and Leticia. Let this Hispanic church feel our love and our support as we celebrate four years of effective ministry. Father, we just ask for your blessing to be on each person as we go from here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.